0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. No matter who you are, where you are, and what you do, there's something happening in you. We've been talking about it for this summer, a series on the Holy Spirit. And I know for some of you that's new, it, it, it's not something you've understood, maybe you knew of it as the Holy, you knew him as the Holy Ghost, but we tried to make sure that questions were answered and it becomes as practical as we can possibly make it. And so let me just say that we started this by talking about Jesus. Jesus who walked on this earth, gave himself for every one of us. Three years of public ministry at the age of 33. Hangs on a cross and dies. Taken down from the cross that day. Buried. Third day, he's alive. And he basically tells his disciples, go tell the world that I'm alive and go tell the world that I am the Messiah. I am the Savior of the world. And I love the way she said it. He's not just my Savior. He is my Lord. So Jesus leaves. But before he left, he looked at his disciples and said, Now, I got some good news. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He'd walked with them for three years side by side. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you one, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to remind you of everything I taught you, and he is going to point to me, and he is going to teach you all things. So, when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit was Jesus in the Spirit, walking into our life the day we give our life to Christ. The day you say yes to Jesus, Jesus comes in your life. We say that all the time, but people think, well, how does Jesus in the flesh walk in? He doesn't, he comes in the Spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. They're one and the same. So in every one of us who have believed in his name, Jesus lives. And there's a relationship. He's there to be your friend. He's there to be your guide. He's there to just help you every day. So the worst thing you could do is disappoint him. The worst thing you could do is resist him. Or the worst thing you could do is to grieve him or stop what he's doing. And today I want to talk about the sins against the spirit. There there are three of them that the New Testament mentions. This is difficult stuff. And this is in the deep end. So if you have not been with us or you're not as familiar, just hang on. I I think it'll, it'll make sense If you remember, Jesus is living in you as a believer. He's living in you. And the greatest thing you can do is honor him. And so the warnings that come in the scriptures, hey, don't do these things. Because you wouldn't do that to your friend. Don't do it to the Holy Spirit. So there are three of them. And let me tell you why they're so important. Number one, the consequences are really, really important dangerous. In other words, the consequences of pushing the Spirit away or saying no to the Spirit, it's not just necessarily a bad day. It's you have cut yourself off from the blessing and all the things that God wants to do for you. Another thing, they're hidden. No one knows. In other words, you could come in here and worship and sit with us or you could go to a Bible study group or whatever it is you do and everybody think that everything's fine but you know in your heart that you're not on speaking terms with your friend and that's why it's a hidden thing but it's so deceptive because you can fake everybody else but you can't fake him he knows he's your friend and I would just say the last thing there's always going to be this war going on inside of you As Danny talked about it last week, that war is the evidence that he's there. Why? If he's not there, there's no war. You don't care. So the war is with with whom? Well, Jesus, who is in you in the form of the Holy Spirit and with the old nature, the sin nature, the broken fellowship with God that happened in the fall, the very beginning, Adam and Eve, when they fell, There was a severed relationship between the creator and his creation. And so that old nature has a way of fighting against the flesh. So even this morning, there's going to be that little tug of war. And you get to decide, am I going to listen to my friend or am I going to listen to the one who's out to destroy me? And you get to make that choice. Nobody can make it for you. So what's the first sin? Let's start with the worst. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You ever heard someone say, oh, well, that's a sin. That's an unforgivable sin. People love going around saying, well, that's an unforgivable sin. I've heard divorce is the unforgivable sin. Nope. I've heard homosexuality is an unforgivable sin. Nope. I've heard lying. Nope. I've heard, uh, what else have you heard? I'm trying to think of some of the ones I've heard. Uh, What? Yeah, suicide is the unforgivable sin. Nope. Never anything in Scripture about that. I've heard disrupting a service. Nope. I've heard, you know, all kinds of things. None of them. There's only one. And it involves the Holy Spirit. So go with me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Let's look at the moment it happened, okay? Jesus is... um, performing miracles obviously he's healing people and he's also casting out demons I mean he's encountering evil and when he enc- casts these demons out the Pharisees are watching and they're going wait a minute he's doing this by another power and they accuse him of being able to cast out demons by the power of Satan okay And so they say, you're doing this by Satan. Jesus, in his typical fashion, answers them with great, a great response. He actually says, well, that's crazy because logic would be this. Then it would be Satan fighting Satan. And that doesn't make sense. And then he says, you know, if I'm casting out demons by the power of Satan, here's the problem with that. You have to bind the strong man when you go in somebody's house to plunder it. You have to bind the strong man. So I would be binding the strong man Satan, which means I'm greater than Satan. And he gives them those two examples just to say, it doesn't even make sense, guys. And then he says, but if I'm doing this by the Spirit of God, then you have just said something that is not a good thing to say. And with that, I want you to read with me. Starting in verse 25, knowing their thoughts, he said, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or household divided against itself will stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub? But that was a a God of, of Baal. It was actually a God that they often attributed things to, it was more of an evil. It was, you could actually use it as another name for Satan. In Louisiana, it was Beelzebubba, but here it's a little different. Just think of Satan. If I'm doing that by the power of Satan, well, (laughs) by whom do your sons cast them out? I love that question. That's Jesus just saying, uh, well, then who are your boys working for? Because if you've got me, you know, working for Satan, therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first ties the guy up and binds him? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever's not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit. The Spirit will not be forgiven, and whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, this is really interesting, will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, not in this age or in the age to come. Wow. Yeah, that's what I say. Wow. So what's he talking about? Can I just tell you that if you're listening to this, streaming this, or you're seated in this room? And you have a fear or you're worried that you might have committed this sin. I have good news. You haven't. If you're worried. If you don't care. I would worry. You follow me? This is a willful, intentional, resisting the Holy Spirit. I mean, Jesus said, even the Son of Man, you can blaspheme, meaning, Son of Man is a reference to his time on this earth. When he walked among us, he was called the Son of Man. You you can even say things about Jesus as he walked on this earth, but when you say something against the Spirit, the Spirit is now the presence of Jesus, and he's the only way you find hope in the name of Jesus. He is your access point, he is your friend. To literally open the gates of forgiveness, open the gates of heaven to lead you into salvation. So if you say no to the guide, you have no way to get there. So the point is, you can't look at the Holy Spirit and say, I don't want you. Because when you do, you have just cut off the only way that you can find forgiveness. The only way you can find and so it, it begins to make a little more sense that way. Did you know this is the, this is the first time that Jesus used the term Holy Spirit? So this is a, this is a shocking statement. And the unfortunate thing for us is that people have taken this statement and they've applied it to a lot of different sins. It does not apply to any sin except one, and that is resisting the very one who gives you salvation and forgiveness in the first place. He's the only hope. There's not another person in the cosmos who died for your sin, rose from the dead, and is here today to welcome you to his family. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And when you, when you and I believe and we say, Jesus, we're with you, then forgiveness comes no matter what you've done. There's another important thing about this sin. It's man's refusal, not God's. I've heard people say, well, if you commit that sin enough, then God's just going to finally go, well, I'm not forgiving you anymore. No, it's not what the Bible says, it's what your friend said, but not what the Bible said. The Bible says that every sin can be forgiven except one, and that's this one, and this one is when man refuses to accept what Jesus is doing, to believe what Jesus is doing. So it's not that God just gives up on you. No, no, sir, no, ma'am, he will never give up on you. He will never quit loving you. He will never give up. But when you give up on him and when you say no to him, it's done. He's the only way. So Jesus speaks this, and the disciples hear it, and the Pharisees see it. And and today, unfortunately, so many people misunderstand it. Now, let me tell you there is an application of this I just want to mention. It's when you attribute to Satan something God's doing. They said Satan was doing those miracles and it wasn't Satan. It was God doing them through Jesus, his son. So is it possible for a believer to do this, commit this? Nope, it's not possible. But is it possible to get close? Yeah, it is. Can I just get you to listen very closely for just a minute? Anytime we... Look at somebody doing something in Jesus' name. And we say, that is of the devil. Unless we have a clear teaching that it is opposite of what God wants, unless we have without a doubt teaching that says that is not from God, I would never let those words come out of my mouth. Never. Just because they're different... Just because they have church a little different, just because they live the Christian life a little differently, I don't think it's ever our right or prerogative to point to them and say that is from Satan, that is not from God. Because when you do, you're getting real close to the cliff. Very close. I just say it this way, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you stand before him. So here's what we learn. The unforgivable sin? Blasphemy. Rejecting Jesus. Because you reject the work of the Spirit. Number two, what about grieving the Holy Spirit? The Bible say that we can grieve him? Yep. That's the second one. Grieving the Holy Spirit. And go to Ephesians. If you go to chapter 4 of Ephesians, there's a place where Paul says, don't grieve. The Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read in Ephesians 4. I'm, I'm going to start in verse 29 because it kind of gets a little, uh, gives you a little context of what Jesus is talking about. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Did you get that? Building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So right in the middle of that you have this verse. And do not grieve the Spirit of God. So this sin mentioned specifically, a sin against the Spirit, is grieving. The word is the actual Greek word when somebody is sad, like when somebody has lost someone, like someone dies. There's a grief. There's a sadness. You know what's interesting about that statement, do not grieve the Holy Spirit? You can't grieve a thing. You grieve a person. He's a person. And to grieve him means you make your friend sad. If he is indeed our sin, I mean our friend who was given to us, okay? The first sin that we talked about blasphemy is when you don't even let the friend in. You don't, I don't even want to acknowledge you. This one is when your friend is your man, you're with you, but you keep doing things that break his heart. Things that you know he does not approve of. Things that don't represent Jesus at all. And that's why Paul drops it in the middle of a discussion about how we ought to honor one another. We ought to encourage one another. You see, this friend called the Holy Spirit, he wants the best for you. And he, he wants to protect you. And he wants you to be so close to the Father. And so what he's saying here is make sure that the way you speak to one another and the way you handle yourself is consistent with Jesus because if it isn't that makes him grieve because that's not who, that's not who you're to be. I mean this one is a is an easy one to understand. Have you ever said something that hurt your wife's feelings, guys? You ever said done something that wounded him? Do you remember what it was like? Living in that moment and walking through that moment, it's is brutal. Somebody that you love and you're w- watching them weep because you hurt them. I mean, I've, I've, I've had the experience not just with the spouse. I've hurt my children. I mean, I've had conversation with them and hearing something that I did that I had no idea. I am so sorry. And I, I broke down. The only thing I could say is I'm so sorry. I, I never even thought about that in the same way the holy spirit is your family he's right there with you and so when you begin to say things and you don't build one another i'm gonna give you an example for me i think i kind of committed two sins in one moment my children i used to be their coach in basketball i started off being their soccer coach and that quickly faded when i didn't have a clue what soccer was about um so I gave up the soccer coach position. But basketball, I, I love coaching my kids. There was a game we had, and um, one of my sons, he's the best. You tell him what to do. You tell him the play you want to run, and I'm telling you, he will run it to a T. He will do it, okay? The other one, um, he'll get close. Let me just say it that way. We won a game, and he made a shot to win the game. And I mean, people going crazy and everything. And I run out on the court and I grab him and I said, hey, let me show you what you did wrong. And if you'll get that right, it's going to be so much better. And I just saw his, I just saw him just all of a sudden, it wounded him. Well, my wife being perceptive said, David, don't ever let the first thing out of your mouth be to criticize I know you're trying to coach but the first thing out of your mouth is way to go, great game we won later you can give instruction so let me ask you a question how many of you find joy in criticizing others because I think that joy is breaking the heart of the Holy Spirit according to this we're to build one another up We're to edify one another. We're to give grace to one another. So anything we do that discourages somebody or that hurts somebody, you're hurting the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, my worst enemy is my mouth. And I know that's where this passage lands squarely on me. David, with your words, don't let corrupt speech come out of your mouth. Be careful what you say and how you speak to people because you not only wound them, you wound the one who lives in you. Now, here's the good news. Grieving is not leaving. He doesn't leave. He doesn't say, oh, all right, I'm done, I'm out, and you're lost again. Can I just tell you, you don't lose your salvation. I promise you, you don't lose your salvation. And I'll show you the reason I believe that. You make him upset. How many of you as a family have ever had a grievance? Somebody was grieved. Somebody was saddened, but they're still family, right? You're still sitting with them. You're still having family time or whatever. We do that all the time. Holy Spirit's not going to leave you because you grieved him. And here's why I know that. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does that mean? Notice, it doesn't say by whom you were sealed until you make him mad. Or sealed until you upset him. Sealed until the day of redemption. That means that the Holy Spirit came in your life when you put your faith in Jesus. And he not only walked in your life, you not only have him, he has you. And you are now in the palm of God's hand. And the Scripture says that no one can pluck you out of the Father's hand. You are sealed in His hand by that Holy Spirit living in you. And you won't ever have to worry about being thrown out of the family again. So you can grieve Him, but He doesn't leave. You're still family. And sometimes that makes it even worse. Then the third one, quenching the Spirit. What's well, quenching? Well, it probably is what you think it is. Look in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is a great passage because it, it's in the context of worship, it's kind of in the context of what we do when we come together. So, in chapter 5, there is this part, and I'm going to start reading in verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you do not quench the spirit do not despise prophecies but test everything hold fast what is good okay so in the middle of this discussion about giving thanks and rejoicing and praying he says and oh by the way don't quench the holy spirit and then he says don't despise prophecy so what does the word quench mean well it's exactly what you think it is it means to dampen or to put a fire out or it means to shut something down if for somebody to quench your spirit that's when they shut you down now i'm going to describe a setting hypothetically but if it's happened to you you know exactly what i'm talking about You've been away to a conference or you've read a book or you've listened to a podcast or you have whatever and you're so pumped and excited about it and you can't wait to tell your best friend or your spouse and you're telling them all this and they're just kind of like, okay, hurry up, hurry up. What'd that do to you? Didn't that not put the fire out a little bit? Is is that not like the wet blanket committee? You know, Baptist churches have a lot of committees. One of them is the wet blanket committee. When God starts moving, we get a wet blanket because we got to get it under control, or we think that oh that we can't let it get out of control. We do it all the time. Think about doing that to the Holy Spirit. Think about that moment you quench what He's wanting to do. What that means is you remember that war going on, the flesh on one side. And the Spirit on the other, the Spirit is saying, man, I want you to go on that mission trip. The Spirit is saying, I really want you to take that step. I want you to get into that neighborhood Bible study group. I want you to go and minister to that friend. I want you to, and then the other side is going, now just calm down, calm down. You don't have to do all that. (laughs) That calming down is quenching. The Holy Spirit is building you up and putting a passion in you. But there will always be that resistance of just, well, let's just calm it down a little bit. I'm telling you, this one is the one that makes me nervous. Because let me show you the verse. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what's good. Here's why I say it makes me nervous. How many of you ever walked in on a Sunday and... He said I don't want to hear that. Or I don't I don't agree with what he's saying. Can I just tell you that this little phrase do not treat prophecies with contempt? You see everything that is spoken through a man or a woman in your life doesn't mean it's all good, but some of it could be because all truth is God's truth. And I think God puts us in positions to hear people and to hear truth. And the worst thing we could do is shut it down. Ignore it. Because that truth is intended to help you, to bless you. And I'm, I, I've, all my life, I've been one of those. I'll come in. I'll, I'll go to a meeting or a conference or something where there are a lot of speakers. And somebody will get up and I go, I don't, I don't, I don't no, I don't really agree with him. I'm not even listening. Listen. And we're so bad. If we don't agree with somebody, we just shut it down. What if God wants to use them? What if God wants to speak through them? You realize this Bible says he can speak through a donkey. He speaks through a donkey. And if you don't believe it, he does it every weekend here. I mean, last weekend, Danny preached, right? (laughs) And I'm up today. He does it every weekend. <laughs> this is nonsense to say I'm not. Gonna, oh, he doesn't have anything to say to me. Yes, he, he does. And in that moment, you are quenching what God may be doing to speak to you, because you never know. I think sometimes it happens with a spouse. I think it happens with somebody. So. I'll give you a great, another great example. Uh, I had a young man get up and give his testimony. I had an incredible life change experience with Jesus. And it's the first time he'd been up in front of a, a group. And he was excited. I mean, he was on fire, excited. Man, God was doing something in his life. And he got up and he spoke. And, and yeah, he was all over the place. But it, it, it was a great first step. The first thing that was said to him by a member of that church wasn't this church. The first thing said to him, this woman walked up and said, Hey, um, when you settle down, you're going to learn a lot more. When you just calm down, you're going to learn, and you're not going to be like that. Well, he comes and tells me that. and He said, What am I supposed to do with that? I said, Nothing. Throw it away. You know, it just, I don't understand how we don't realize That the first thing we say to people, especially in that moment, or even how we receive anything. So in the context of worship, listen to what God is saying. What is it that may quench the Spirit when we come together? I'll tell you what it is, our mind not being here. We're thinking about this afternoon, we're thinking about what we got to do this week, or we're on our phone. Let me tell you what, that phone will quench the Spirit in a heartbeat. Because you're on there checking things and you see something to get your mind all. Tra- all these things come into the room in the presence of worship and say, "God, I just want to hear from you." Listen. Listen. And then when the Lord speaks, welcome it. But I can show you what we do. Today Jesus walked in my life, a fire started. it's the Holy Spirit. One of the analogies in the New Testament is that He will baptize us with fire. Jesus said that. So, fire is a picture of the Holy Spirit. But here's what happens to us. We have a lot of things that when the Spirit starts moving, we're like, no, not not going there. Tradition. You know, I've never done that. That's just not how we've always done it. That's not how I've always done it. I just, no, I don't think that's right. Well, we just… Start filling the bucket up. Tradition. Pride. Now, what would people think if I were to do? If I walked down and got on my knees, I really feel like sometimes the Lord is speaking me to that. But if I did that, what what would everybody think? No, I'm too worried about what everybody thinks. That's pride. Or maybe it's just selfishness. You know, I I just don't want to give up that much time. I, I don't want to give money to the church. I don't want to go on that mission. I don't want to do that i got a calendar. i got stuff to do, and i got to make sure I get time to do it. And, I, and all the while, that selfishness is just adding to the bucket. And so you can probably fill in some more. What have you allowed to quench the Spirit in you? Fear? Man, I, I just, I don't know if I can trust. He may want me to go to Africa, so I can't do that. I don't know what those are in your life. I know what they are in mine. But here's what it looks like. We pour those in. And no matter what fire is burning, gone. Can I tell you the worst existence on the earth is a believer who has quenched the Holy Spirit of God. Because now there is this emptiness. I can tell you a church can do this. I've been in churches. They still had a service. They still had singing and preaching and everything. But man, there was something missing. And it just made me wonder, was the Spirit quenched? Because when that happens, what used to be alive and with fire and there was passion, there's just emptiness. We're just a bunch of people with a suit and no soul. I know there's an Old Testament verse when God warned his people that if their sin continued, he would remove the spirit from them, and they were supposed to write Ichabod over the door. Well, Ichabod means the glory of the Lord has departed. I've always prayed, God, I don't ever want to be in one of those churches. I don't want to be in a church where your name is gone, where your glory has departed. Oh, my goodness. All we get is what man can do. We're tired of getting what man can do. We want to get what you can do. We need your glory more than anything else. I heard a woman got excited, and she was like, oh, God, please don't remove your spirit. And she told her pastor, said, he's about to remove his spirit. and You can write Michelob over the door. It's not Michelob. It's Ichabod. But it doesn't matter. You can write whatever you want over the door. Because God's Spirit, the power's gone. This morning, as your pastor, as your shepherd, there is nothing I want more than for that fire to be burning in you. Because I know what it does in your marriage. I know what it does in your home. I know what it does to your neighbors. And I don't want you to grieve your best friend, the Holy Spirit. And for sure, I don't want you to push away the only one who can bring forgiveness and salvation to you. So can we bow together just for a moment? Whether you're on the stream or in this room, is there anyone that would say, I believe today, I do not want to resist the spirit. I do not want to push him away. Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Maybe there's someone in here that's already believed, but you know you've made the Spirit sad because the way you're living your life is not what Jesus had in mind. It's not according to what He said, and you know it, it. It makes Him sad. Does it make you sad? What about somebody that the fire's gone out? just no passion anymore can we just in this moment ask him holy spirit please forgive me and holy spirit light the fire again i want to bring a smile to you because jesus you brought a smile to me tell him that Father, thank you so much for these words that your word gives us so that we can enjoy life, we can be our best. And I pray, Father, that we're listening to your spirit even right now. And that we will walk out of here committed not to grieve, but to bless. Not to quench, but to stir up the fire. And let it consume us. Thank you, Lord, for these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for your presence today. If you, uh, God spoke to you in a way and you want to follow up with a conversation, we have folks that are ready out in the lobbies and it says connection, just walk up and they're ready for you, Uh, you can also text us. Text the word CONNECT to 40777, and there will be someone to have that conversation with you. I just want to thank you. I want you to know Jesus is your best friend. You know Him through the Holy Spirit who is in your life. So, the Holy Spirit is your best friend. As you go out today, enjoy your friend. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Thanks again for listening to The First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.